Famcast Media. Bitch. Welcome to the SM Podcast. Squibble and Mad Max. Not my bad, keep my circle tight Spitting up that verbal light To shed upon the vagabond Who's searching for some more to life Black. Now approaches the wandering Jew I'm taking some bumps and lacing some blunts And I'm just smoking this sauntering Here we go! I don't know what, see, this is We we just need to determine What specific underground shit We're gonna talk about at any given time Or, and this is also what I think is gonna happen here Is... And are, are you still doing the metal albums? Are we still going to do that? Uh, yeah, eventually. Okay. Oh well, no, because if we're not doing it this time, I, I would, th- I was thinking you should give me your top ten because you heard my shit. I'm all like fucking late two thousands new metal fucking, which I, I love. I, I love. I love all that shit too. No, fair enough. But I so like I know the old shit, but I'm not like not well acquainted. I know about a lot of it. I know a lot of Black Sabbath. I, you know, I, I, although I will say to a certain extent, you know what I mean? Like there are certain songs you could play and it would be like, is this Anthrax or Megadeth or Slayer? And I wouldn't honestly. No, no, no. Wouldn't. no not, not once I give you the fucking uh, schooling you, you need. I'm no, well, and, I, and I agree. I definitely think that we should do that. But no, and you know, I was having a thought, by the way, that we should at some point uh, do some things where even if we're just basically hating because I don't give a fuck that shit's funny sometimes we definitely yeah. should like listen to some underground shit here and there because you know it would be a way to bring people in let them know what it is what we're doing and you know show that we kind of have a ah, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this like we have the right to talk about underground shit you know what I'm saying yeah. like we've been doing it long enough good enough at it yeah, absolutely. We're gonna do all kinds of shit, and uh, I actually got something. I, I got this time. What are we? Uh, what are we looking at? So, uh, we're today. We're gonna do heavy metal beef. Heavy metal beef. Okay, I'm in. This that. is uh, actually. I should rephrase it. Heavy metal diss tracks. I because I believe that that's a thing, but I would never have. I've never heard that. There that's is. Uh, there is a. There is a. There is a lot of feuds in heavy metal. You know, you could go Ozzy versus Dio, Megadeth versus Metallica. There's endless Mushroomhead versus Slipknot. There's endless feuds in metal. I feel like I heard about that in a distant, like, I didn't know that. I didn't really. That's interesting. But there's not a lot of diss tracks. So even some of these, these are 10 diss tracks we're going to go over. And even some of them, are they really metal? I don't know. You know what I mean? But they're close enough you know about metal diss tracks necessarily but what i do know is that randy savage put out an entire rap album that was basically just a diss to hulk hogan (laughs) that's fucking amazing see i haven't heard it in forever but i remember a lot of people that i fuck with being like yo dude this is actually like you want to know who else is like that john cena like john cena i've heard his shit he can actually rap you know what's funny? You know copyright? Yes. Uh, John Cena <laughs> literally stole copyrights bars and did them live on WWE and oh. gave no credit. And he and there are interviews with John Cena talking about how much he loves Cage and copyright and all those guys. 
because uh, copyright is actually from Cage's crew, the weather. You know what I mean? So, so that would be an interesting episode to go over. You know what I mean? Do a John Cena episode. That's crazy as shit. I actually did not know that um, Cena was a, was a swagger jacker. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, we talked about kind of having a, uh, a structure to the podcast. So let's let episode four be the first structured episode. And uh, let's get into what we've been watching slash listening to this week. You got anything, any music, any shows, any podcasts? Well, so mostly what I listen to, I mean, I today I happen to listen to Time Suck because it's Monday, and so that means that those episodes are out. But no, I've honestly been listening to a lot of different, excuse me, beats uh, in the last week or two because I'm trying to get back into the writing fucking spirit. Uh, I wrote a couple of things. I got some shit from uh, the homie Crossworm, uh, Dirtcore. You know, that's the fucking the uh the home base right now where fucking that's the home base for the uh the music for uh for mad max oh that's underground sound but no one way or another uh that and also from and you may have heard this name before but uh mr ka uh i've been in touch with him recently he's apparently massachusetts local i didn't know that until recently and uh a lot of uh like the painted ronin that's his um what the fuck is good? I'm pretty sure that one's his. Uh, like a lot of shit from the Painted Ronin or Mr. K.A. Beats. And uh, we've been uh, talking about wanting to do some shit. And so been listening to some stuff that, uh, that he's sent me. But now nah, I honestly, I mostly just listen to like, uh, oh, what's his name? Sam Morrill. I listen to a lot of stand-up comedy. That dude's super funny. But uh Nah, I they, honestly I haven't been uh, listening to a ton of uh, music. Mostly I've been listening to like, uh, if not podcasts, uh, lectures and shit. Hey man, that's up for debate too. You know what I mean? And time suck is always fun. I enjoy time suck, but I really only watch. I really only watch when it's something that I'm already interested in. I've been. I I tend to listen to all of them just because I've already gotten into the groove. I've been listening every week for fucking years at this point, but. Um, I just, if it's not something I'm already interested in, nine times out of ten, it's something that I could find merit in, like shit that I could, you know, like, today was a real weird fucking, uh, New York-based fucking, like, psychotherapy cult, it was very interesting, but, uh, no, I, other than that, I've been, I've been getting real into, uh, history and shit, like, uh, Viking, Celtic, fucking Roman, briefly. But you know, you know what I was watching the other day was um, speaking of history. Uh, Netflix has the World War Two in color. Oh yeah, documentary. I've seen some of those. Those man, watching those first of all, it's so fucking sad. But you also realize how disconnected you were from it when you were learning about it when you were in school, because everything was. Everything was black and white, and there's something about that that, that that makes it seem so long ago. But when you see it in color, and you see all those bodies stacked, and you see all the chaos, it really brings that shit to light, man. So I would suggest that if, if no one's seen it, you like World War II shit. Dude, the world as it is right now is a thousand percent still the product of World War II. 
Oh yeah, it changed everything forever. The way that the world looks now, the people that are allied, like, you know what uh, third world country implies, right? What? Third world country basically means that you were, if not... (laughs) Well, no, and this is, well, this is the funny thing. This is why I think it happened this way is because third world countries were the countries that didn't come to the aid of the allies in world war ii they were like we have this and, it, and it's funny because it was a lot of african countries that were basically like, what the fuck does that have to do with us you're not yeah. hitler is on his way down here but you know we'll fucking cross that bridge when we come to it hitler never really went hardcore in africa like that and with that being the case it was just i mean at the end of the day the fucking it would have been the Germans versus the Japanese eventually. I think a lot of people don't necessarily recognize that, but the fucking, that was just like, an, they were allies, like enemy of my enemy is my friend type shit. The way that they both felt as human beings was Japan was like, we are the the uh, elite human being on earth and everybody beneath us can fucking die. And the Germans were like, we are the Aryans and everybody below us can die. And the Germans and the Japanese were just like, oh, wait, so you guys don't like America and fucking Britain and them, right? Good? Okay, so we'll just, we'll circle back around. Because a lot of people, my mom has been watching this shit just recently. I think it's on Netflix. It's about the uh, the Pacific Theater. Like, that was a whole other fucking war. Like, everybody, when you think about World War II, people think about war with the Germans. But yeah. the war with the, the Japanese were not fucking playing, bro. Nah, bro. And they got they got down to the point where uh, the children where the children were fucking ready to kill. Seven thirty one, my boy. Oh my lord. <laughs> do, you, do you know about Unit Seven Thirty One? Yeah. There you go. Like that fucking. Nah, that is as bad as anything the Nazis did. They just didn't have Hitler's number. That's why they didn't look at it like that. Well, I mean, you know, fucking. Uh, it was bad enough that we were willing to drop atomic fucking bombs. People really don't understand how heavy that decision was. Like, we yeah. literally had a bomb that we thought to ourselves, this, we've only tested this in the desert. We haven't tested this on fucking people. We don't know what's going to happen. There's always got to be a first time. Well, but you want to know what? This is the problem. The reason why they did that is because... And I mean, again, this is a matter of fucking record at a certain point. Like, the fucking Japanese were not, they, that, that's samurai, that's Bushido. They, like, I would sue death before dishonor as a means of fucking government. Like, they were not ready to fucking stand down at all. But then they saw a plume of fucking smoke go into the air higher than a fucking mountain, and the entire fucking city got blown down. And they were like, yeah, we should probably hang back, but that's the thing. That's why they hit a second. That they hit a second city, because after the first one, they were still kind. Of, well, so here's the other thing, though. Those ones were bad, but there was also the firebombing of Tokyo. Where yeah, that shit was so bad. Where the fucking somebody, there were people getting boiled alive in lakes and shit. Is how much fire? Like, holy shit! It's funny because again, you're right. People see it. it you're, they're very detached from what the war actually was or is to the point where people can have these cavalier attitudes about war and about what it entails 
but then like so few people actually have either seen it like that and lived or are able to actually put themselves mentally in a place where you let me, let, let, let's say this too bro because my great gramps was in world war ii and he was an italian his last name was betty b-e-t-t-i and uh, people people don't realize at that time, remember, Italy was all, they didn't know who the fuck they were siding with in World War II. So if you were Italian, my, my great-grandpa was Italian fighting for America, right? Fighting on the American side. And he literally had to change his name uh, to do it. You know what I mean? And, and he kept that. He, he never changed it back. He never, you know what I mean? Because the way that people looked on Italians for all that is crazy. One thing that I've kind of noticed about a, people coming to America from other countries, but especially World War II, was, excuse me, that fucking changing your name was super common because everybody, like, if you're coming to America, you kind of have an idea of what America was about. You know what I mean? Like, word got around. America was, you know, this bastion of fucking commerce and freedom and this and that but it was also very very well known oh yeah they're racist as fucking shit there so if you're going either know who you're going to right when you get there or blend in because assimilate was the word yeah no and you want to know what it's sad because i think that we're starting to come around in the world now where people are being more like they're kind of refining the old ways the old gods pagan stuff like the more more of the you know stuff of the earth that kind of shit and like i i do think that's all cool but it's like it's very interesting how like again nobody really looks at it this way but even in world war ii like Everybody thought that, I mean, the Japanese have a different, you know, spiritual fucking belief system by and large, but most of these different, it was all about like, you know, this is all about what God wants or whatever. Like the fact that religion, in particular Christianity and Islam, conquered and civilized the world at the tip of a blade. And then again now it's starting to circle back around where like everything is becoming like you know the the catholic church does not i mean they have as much money and influence as they ever had but like the actual like the pope and shit who the fuck cares about the pope anymore aside from devout fucking catholics yeah nobody who ever gave a fuck about the pope except devout catholics <laughs> in, in the last 30 years well, but and this is what I'm saying though, is that because the, the reality of that shit, ah, get the fuck off me, you dickhead, ah, fucking asshole cat. The uh, the difference with that, I think, is that like, again, we like we live in a world where this was a world that was civilized by Christianity, for sure. Because every different, because it, it was either by force or by assimilation, and a lot of a lot of cultures assimilated that you would have thought were conquered, like the Vikings are a good example. A lot of Scandinavian fucking um, like chieftains and kings and this and that, they just loved the fucking pageantry 
of uh, the, you know, the bishops and shit, like walking in with a big stupid fucking hat and a scepter and whatever. And they're like, oh, well, this is like this. How do you, uh, how, how do you make this happen? Oh, well, you gotta, you gotta come to my guy. You gotta, you gotta come work with my guy. That's how. That's yeah. Good. Well, let me let me cut you off there. If we haven't lost the entire audience by our uh, yeah, well, religion and war talk. <laughs> What are we talking about fucking World War II for? I'm not that old yet. Every, so, every, every American man eventually starts to become very interested in World War II, but that 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 doesn't usually happen until your mid-40s. So I, that's what I was watching. That's how we got there. I was watching World War II in color. I was watching, I just discovered this show that actually I just found out was canceled after the second season, but uh, it's on Hulu if you got it. It's called The Mick. And it stars uh, Caitlin, whatever the fuck her name is, from It's Always Sunny. It's Always Sunny. Oh yeah, no, I know that show. I'm on season one. I've watched about I've watched about eight episodes. It's fucking. It's like uh, Always Sunny, but lighter. You know, uh, Caitlin Olsen is a great actress. She's very funny. She's fucking fantastic, bro. And and we we got to shout out D, our producer in the house. <laughs> What's up, D? <laughs> our very own sweet D. No, so listen. No, you got me real interested, man. I want to know about these uh, these heavy metal diss tracks, bro. I am I'm very interested in this. All right, well, let's fucking. I got ten of them here. Um, and D, I, hopefully you're there. You fucking cock fuck. I didn't hear you say anything. I guess he's not there. Uh, he's gonna need to be here so he can pull up these songs. <clears throat> Alright, well, well, give me a little background then. Give me a little backstory here. So, um, basically all these fucking songs are, huh? See, something's happening. D, you can speak on the mic. I'm here, man. Okay, there you go. (laughs) He said, I'm here, you fucking prick. And and anybody who's listening who thinks Scribble's a real dick to this, his fucking producer, I've known D for like five years, so don't trip on that. He knows how it is. He knows what it is. So let's get let, let's get into these these beefs. I got a little information about all of them. Uh, I got ten. So number ten go is lip. Number ten is uh, Limp Biscuit Hot Dog, the title track of Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. Okay. So, so pull that up, D. Um, and the the chorus is. Pretty much a diss track toward Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Trent Reznor, okay, I believe that. So what happened was uh, what? Very interesting character. I mean, we could do a whole episode on Fred Durstby. <clears throat> but uh, Trent Reznor, I was saying, I've heard a lot of uh, like he is kind of an unpleasant gentleman. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. So we're talking about two unpleasant gentlemen here in their primes. So basically what happened was Fred Durst was a big Nine Inch Nails fan. And Nine Inch Nails in 1999 came out with a song called Starfuckers Inc. And in the music video, Trent Reznor and Marilyn Manson are throwing plates of like celebrities they hate. Or they're like breaking plates. It's like a plate and it's got the face of a celebrity. And Fred Durst was on one of these plates. And uh, it hurt Fred's feelings. So basically what Fred did was uh, take Reznor's own lyrics and, you know, point them back at him in a hot dog. 
That's always clever. So, and, and what's funny is uh, Trent Reznor actually got paid for this. No shit. Yeah, he had to because he was sampling like a bunch of lyrics from Trent Reznor. Oh, that's an interesting move. Who actually was that? Yeah, I mean, bro, it, it, it's a. Uh... It's like Eminem dissing Michael Jackson and then Michael Jackson buying his fucking catalog. And it's not like... Yeah, yeah, please. Please keep talking more shit. Keep paying me. And it's not like this was some, you know, like they released the album and then they had to work out some payment. No, like before the album even came out, like that was all set up. So it's pretty weird. So D, play that. Just play the chorus. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. You like to burn me on the inside. You like to think that I'm a perfect girl. Just know that nothing you do will bring you closer to me. Ain't like a bitch. Interesting. So those are like three I, different I, nine inch nail songs. I gotta tell you, uh, I kind of think Trent Reznor came out on top of that one. Well, let's keep in mind that uh, Chocolate Starfish is the fastest rock-selling album of all time. The fastest, not the most, the fastest. Well, but so fastest to what point? They went platinum in like two days. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think no, the album sold by 10 minutes. For the time period, that's impressive. It's, like a, it's like a diamond record. A million people went out and bought the fucking album. Well, this is right after Nookie and uh, Break Stuff, you know what I mean? Plus, this album had Rollin'. Oh, yeah. No, I, it's it's funny. I love that I, I've seen some pictures of uh, a recent uh, performance, and uh, I appreciate that fucking... Dad vibes? Well, no, Wes Borland is as weird as he ever was. He's still doing real weird shit, and I love it. He was always, he was the first guy I seen with scleral, with scleral cup, full black eye fucking contacts. Seen with that shit. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. I need to do that at some point. And I still have it. But, like, fucking Limp Biscuit was definitely, I remember hearing whispers about how, like, Method Man just got paid a bunch and he wasn't really into it, but he just kind of did it for the bump. You know what I mean? Like, well, there's a story. DJ Premier does um, has a YouTube channel and he breaks down every every song he ever produced and he broke down in together now. And basically, basically the story is that um, Premier was the one who was like, like Method was already on the song before Premier even made the beat. So. DJ Lethal originally made the beat. That's pretty much a DJ Lethal beat, but Premier took it and did his Premier shit on it. You know what I mean? Like, added little things. And basically, his story was Premier wasn't fucking with him. He's like, ah, you know, I've heard Limbisky, that guy can't really rap and all this shit. Basically, that got back to Fred. Yeah. Fred was like, oh man, let me just let me just have a meeting face to face with him. And that's all it took, because Fred Durst is a fucking hustler, like legendary talked his way into everything you know what i mean just like that kind of dude and uh after hanging out with him he discovered fred was like a real hip-hop head and had these super ultra rare 
DJ Premier tapes from like the early 90s that nobody had. Like he was naming songs on them and he's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the song with this motherfucker. All right, well, man, you wanna know what? Especially for the fact that that song became what it was. I mean, that was at the fucking height of Fred Durst's fame. Like, that was definitely, I, it's so funny. I saw a, a video of, I think it was Nelly performing the other day. And it was like, I'm trying to think of a, a venue size, like, it wasn't quite the Palladium, but it was like maybe a little bit smaller than that. Like, like a pretty decent, like there had to have been at least like, you know, close like a medium sized theater. Uh, yeah, basically, well, cause I'm trying to, I, I don't want to sell the guy short, but it was just like, it is interesting seeing these guys who like, they were fucking mega superstars once upon a time. Like and now they're doing theaters. Exactly, like it's crazy how it fucking happens. Like but that. here's the here's the catch with Limp Biscuit, and right. and I'm a hard I'm a hardcore Limp Biscuit fan since I was right. fucking ten years old. So is D. Me and D actually had have a Limp Biscuit podcast called Chocolate Starcast. We stopped doing it pretty much, okay. but we did like four, 14, 15 episodes, and um, I fucking love Limp Biscuit, dude. And, and here's the thing: yes, they lost relevancy in the United States. They've been playing stadiums all over the world for 20 years. Oh no shit. Fuck no man. shit. The, you go to Russia, you're going to you're gonna see Limbiscuit in the fucking stadium. Ha. Okay, so let's uh let's go to the next one. The next one is a band I'm not that familiar with, so I'm pretty sure you're not probably familiar with them, but it's a band called Downset. Have you ever heard of them? Don't think so. So Downset, they're kind of like a hardcore band. They got uh a very rage against the machine style before rage and uh the song is called anger so d pull that up uh downset anger and this is basically a rage against the machine diss track i'll read what i got here uh some bars you know oh no dude zach is a fucking mc probably like he fucking spit He's one of the few in the rap rock, rap metal era that like could actually okay, rhyme well, with one. Let me also qualify that by I think that I might be at this point a little salty that just after this long that just you really couldn't wrap your brain around being able to make more music. Like I just for the story because you know the prophets of rage that was a whole thing and so like is that just like what is the i understand that it's supposed to be against that shit but i mean if you're if your morals really are that well, i mean there, there, there's another diss track on this list against rage against the machine from some reputable motherfuckers and i mean most people's problems with them uh, is that they're fucking hypocritical to the map, like next level. You know what I mean? And fair enough. Um, but th- this track, uh, basically, these dudes are from the hood in LA. Um, they were out. They were out before Rage. And this is a quote I got from the singer who wrote the song. He said, "What we have, I guess they changed the lyrics on the re-release years later, and he's addressing that in the first part. But basically, this is what he says." Uh, what we have changed are the lyrics that aimed at a certain person and band that meant something to a whole generation of people. 
before the fake accent he put on that you could get only if you grew up in the hood, which he is far from being from. I could say so much more, but one thing is for sure, me and the others in this band are for are from a true history of hip hop. I know for sure no matter what we no matter what we will live in the shadow of this band. We will be compared to this band over and over again. So I lay this to rest knowing how long I have been doing this. My sincere identity in the graffiti art hip hop true school world, knowing that I am actually from LA and not from Irvine like Rage Against the Machine. Anger, hostility towards the opposition. 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 yeah d what the fuck play a little more that's the diss toward zach too you skipped would have been some shit to see live i'll tell you that yeah this strikes me definitely this is uh hardcore and i'm not huge on hardcore there's some hardcore bands i really fuck with like hate breed but um they're they're more metal that's why but i could definitely see the comparison when rage against the machine blows up and this band band's been around for you know two three years before them well okay so this is unfortunately this is what i would have to say to that I do think that that shit was dope in its own right, and I bet those guys were really, really good live. They ain't fucking with Rage, period. <laughs> greatest guitarists of all history. Like, his ability to play the guitar is on a level that's like, nobody else really did the shit that he was doing. Like, he yeah. learned how to use fucking feedback and how to use different, like, modulations in ways that nobody else had done it. And his ability to play the guitar, that's proven by Audio Slave, quite frankly. The greatest bands of all time, Chris Cornell, may he rest in peace. Ah, okay, go ahead. Greatest of all time? I'd say great, for sure, but greatest of all time. One of the, he's definitely one of the greats. But Chris Chris Cornell is the motherfucking modern Robert Plant. You know what I mean? That dude dude, could sing his ass off. 
Audio Slave was one of the best bands of all. I loved Audio Slave. A lot of people hated on them, but I thought they were dope. Their shit was always dope. All right, so I, I, I'd say uh, Rage won that battle. Um, the song was the song was all right, you know. When he started rapping, I, I cringed a little bit, you know what I mean? But that's no disrespect. It is what it is. It's a different era. It's a different style. You know? did, did Rage even fucking, did, did he even respond? No. Yeah, exactly. So fucking no. all day. All right, so number eight on uh, metal diss tracks is a Megadeth song, and uh, it's called "Something That I'm Not." So pull that up, D. Get it ready. And Megadeth, my all-time favorite, all-time band ever. Basically, the singer, guitar player, the main motherfucker in Megadeth is a dude named Dave Mustaine, and Dave Mustaine was an original member of Metallica before they blew up basically metallica uh he was a a huge you know part of that band creating their sound creating thrash metal period he had some issues you know what i mean like he was from a super fucked up childhood he was a hardcore drug addict already by like you know 17 so they kicked his ass out of the band he went on to form a rival band the whole reason megadeth was formed was to be like fuck metallica and now they're the two biggest metal bands ever. See that? That's great. And so this is a song, actually, uh, Megadeth are on this list twice. But this song is from 04, actually. Bands that was created to spite another band. Yeah, and, you- and ended up selling 50. 50- uh, dude, how many people, you know, there was an original. Famous again. There was an original drummer in the Beatles named Pete Best. And that motherfucker, no one knows about that motherfucker. He didn't go on to form a fucking band. And, you know, so it's really hard, especially when you're kicked out of what will be the biggest metal band of all time. And they steal your music. Oh, a drummer. It's hard to center a band around a drummer. Yeah, but you can do it. You know, if Dave Mustaine cracked out, heroined out, fucking Dave Mustaine could do it. Dave Mustaine was the drummer. Huh? Dave Mustaine was the drummer. No, Dave Mustaine was the guitar player. That's my point. That's what I'm saying. It's easier to build an entire band around a really good guitarist. Yeah, but I'm sure Pete Best fucking made a living off being the Beatle that never was in the Beatles. I, I've, I'm familiar with the Beatles pretty well, and I've never heard that name before, so I have to wonder. <laughs> yeah, okay, so maybe not. I think just proving my point of how hard it is to go on to form a successful band and sell 50 million albums, especially, yeah. especially in a genre that is thrash- metal it's not hair metal it's not poison or docking or fucking motley crew it's thrash metal so this this song i prefer thrash of of the older metals i prefer thrash to hair oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not even a fan there i like one hair metal band it's thrash metal thrash metal uh so this this song now Megadeth, the Megadeth Metallica beef went on for years and years. It's still going on, you know. <laughs> Even though they're all cool, they've all played together. They did the big four, you know. They're the big four of metal: Megadeth, Metallica, Slayer, and Anthrax. They've toured together. They hung out, you know, backstage plenty of times. But there's always that animosity still in Dave Mustaine, where he's like, "Fuck you guys! You stole my dream," you know. Um, true. He like. Because you want to know what, I guess, I don't know, because I I guess there is only one Metallica. You know what I mean? Well, they still, well here, it stems from them stealing his music. They wouldn't be shit 
without his music. Well, that their first, their first. That's okay, but okay. Here's the problem with that: stole their music in the beginning, maybe that they were like, maybe some riffs were stolen. I'm not even saying that didn't happen. And no, full songs were stolen. I'm sure that there was a certain amount of like taking on the style. But it was also, I think, a matter of metal was going in that direction. You know, like what you have to understand is metal was not going in that direction until Dave Mustaine joined Metallica. Dave Mustaine created with Metallica the entire genre of thrash metal. So this is my problem with this argument because I do get what you're saying. Yeah. But let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you are doing a thing and then you brings and then somebody shows up and does the thing that you do but does it better than you or maybe not necessarily does it better than you but does it in a way that you hadn't done it before that is in some way better you like it better than what you were doing at a certain point especially if you're working with this person at first you're gonna want to take that on in a sense of like you don't want to copy them necessarily, but it's like, I, you know, again, if you liken it to a skill, like fucking like swimming, martial arts, fucking rock climbing, whatever. If you see somebody doing something that works and you see somebody doing something that is good, then you're probably going to emulate it in some way. You'll find a well, way. But, to- but, but also there's a clear difference between emulating and stealing. Well, but so that's what I'm saying, though, is that to what extent... Did the did Metallica have like how many songs basically? To the extent, basically their whole first record, Kill 'Em All. the The whole reason, the whole reason they got signed in the first place, was because of these songs when Dave was in the band. And um, not on now the first album, I understand because you're a band, you're a brand new band. Dave comes in, he brings six songs, right? Okay. Well, now it's time to record because we just got a record deal. Well, they kicked Dave out when they got the record deal and they took his music. They didn't change anything. They changed the Four Horsemen, but that was entirely his song, but they only changed it in speed. So they slowed it down instead of it being a speed metal song. You know, it's just a mid-tempo song. Um, But hold on. They, They continued. First album, I'll give you a pass because you have to record. You got this deal. What, are we going to write more songs? No, we got to use these songs, right? What's your excuse for your second and third albums? Well, but so are you saying that the second or third... If the second or third albums, how could they still be using this guy's music? That's what I'm saying. That's my question. It's like, you got plenty of time to write your own shit. Why are you still using Dave Mustaine songs? Well, but so is that actually what was happening? If he only... You said he came in with six songs... So it's like, did Metallica didn't write anything of their own? Like James no, Metallica wrote. Metallica got Seek and Destroy and uh, um, uh, the opening song. Well, Hit the lights. Tell you something. I just, in a matter of being very broad, like keeping the the being objective about like metal in the because. I was into metal, I guess, like I liked it, but I wasn't like super into it like a lot of other people. If Metallica wrote Enter Sandman, then everything everything from there forward, 
that's that's where they became a legendary rock. Well, that nah. See, that that comes down to your knowledge of metal. That's no, when the, 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 listen. What I'm saying is this: I to an actual metalhead, to somebody who has like minutes in this shit. Yeah, they hate the book. They hate that album. No, I get that. But this yeah. is what I'm saying: is that there is a difference between because Metallica is just at this point a famous rock and roll band whether yeah. or not you want to separate them into metal or not that's fully up to interpretation i would say probably what they make now like the saint anger i thought the saint anger video and i thought that song was good personally but everybody that i've ever talked to says that they hate it so that's fine is that i look at it where if they literally Dave Mustaine made a whole other band that sold millions of records, then I think that that speaks for itself because again, no, yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't because that the the greatest thing that ever happened to Dave Mustaine was getting kicked out of Metallica and giving us Megadeth. It sounds like it, shit. You know, and now they got fucking you know classic. We got classics from Metallica and Megadeth. But the the I think that. It lends it lends credence to the rock star mythology kind of shit, and it makes it more like. Well, it's a fucking underdog story. That's what Dave Mustaine is. You know what I mean? And that's what people love about him, not just his music. You know, it's the under. It's this. You know, I mean, it's a whole fucking thing, bro. So there's a whole history of this beef. Let's get to the story. <laughs> These the- cult Megadeth, low class metal. Next to Metallica. Goddamn right it is. Fuck high class upper class. What the fuck are you, motherfucker? What? But and this is actually that. That's funny because this is what I was gonna say. Was that I think that Metallica is definitely like Metallica soccer mom metal at this point. Megadeth is still held as a genuine metal band. Like. Metallica had to go and make a make music with a symphony, and James Hetfield's been on fucking American Dad, and you know what I mean? They're like they're a pop culture. They're, they're like a Green Day. Green Day's not punk anymore. You know what I'm saying? That's that, that's the idea, basically. Exactly. So, so so to wrap this up, because I mean, if we want to do a Metallica Megadeth episode, that's going to be like a three hour long episode. But to wrap this up. That's a whole other episode because yeah, we haven't even played the song. We've already done twenty minutes on these guys. The, 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 the so this song came out in two thousand four. In two thousand three, Metallica released that documentary, Some Kind of Monster. Okay. And that was when they were, you know, James was about to leave the band. Jason Newstead quit the band, or they kicked him out. All this chaos is going on now. With all the with all this history of of Dave Mustaine and Metallica, even you know playing shows together, there's still all this beef, right? Um, Lars calls Dave and says, "Hey, I want you to come come down, and I want us to have a conversation about what what really happened, and you know, so we can lay all this to rest." Well, Dave gets there. It's the day after 9/11, and there's cameras all over the place. Lars didn't tell Dave that they were filming anything, that they were doing a documentary. And he basically said, no, you can't use like the video. You know what I mean? Like, and they put the video, they put the video in the documentary of Dave crying about it and and all this shit. So this song 
was written into res- in response to that to Lars Ulrich. All right. Yeah. Wow. Your mind tells you that you lost your confidence. You're drifting and you don't believe in anyone. To lose what little you have left to be proud of. Afraid you can't do this again. You said that nothing comes in between us and the way of getting things we wanted done. Then NSophobia helps you under its influence until you compromise your style. Is he also singing? Yeah, that's Dave. I, uh, I don't know. I, they, they, he's, Megadeth has a lot better music than that, I think. And I get it. I get that it's one of those situations where, like, this is this is definitely a middle of the album track. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like, well, because I think that most people listening to it wouldn't really know unless they were like, I feel like you would have to be following something like that pretty closely to. Well, yeah, and that's the point. That that that's a point with a lot of these metal diss tracks. They're not hip hop style where they're like, "Fuck you, bitch." You know what I mean? And they're calling people out by names. It's very right. subtle. It's, it could be about anybody, you know? I will, but so this is what I'll say, though, is thus far, I don't know that I have heard the song that would be considered, like, Chocolate Starfish is definitely not the best song on that album. There are much better songs on that album. And so, like, I feel like with rap, it's a little bit different because it is more direct and you're able to be more like straight at him with it. Like with rock, you gotta be all like rock. You gotta be all like sideways with it and you can't be like specific because you don't want people to think that you got like they got you pissed off or whatever, you know what I mean? Like I think it's just it's the different in cultures. You know what I mean? It's it's because these dudes these dudes are, you know, when rappers have beef and they see each other, it's fighting on sight. Metal bands are touring all the time. Everyone knows everybody because they all have roadies who work for these other bands. You know what I mean? So everyone is uh, uh it's kind of a close-knit community. You know, so it's it's not where, you know, but the Megadeth song that's number 2 on this list is straight up what you're talking about. It's hip-hop style. Call the motherfuckers out, you know? Well, so, I would hope that that's, you know, like, again, I guess my point is just, I don't feel like a lot of those songs end up being their better songs. That's I No, they're not. Most of these songs are middle of the tr- middle of the album deep cuts, you know? But it's hard, you know, it's an interesting topic, but it's hard to find great shit. Yeah. I can definitely believe that that's true. Well, so what's uh, what do we got next? What's the next one? 
right, so the, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, Starfuckers, Inc. And, um... So that's interesting you said that him and Marilyn Manson were in there, because I thought that him and Marilyn Manson were ended up on the outs, like... Well, this is a diss track to Marilyn Manson. Ah, okay. But the thing is, their beef was so petty and short that by the time the video was ready to be made, Marilyn Manson directed the show and is in it. <laughs> so uh, I got a quote here. Um, the lyrics are speculated to be directed toward Marilyn Manson. In a 2017 interview with Howard Stern, Manson openly claimed that Reznor wrote the song about him after a heated incident between the two. Though they renewed their friendship in time for Manson to co-direct and appear in the video. Um, when I wrote the song, Reznor said, he was definitely one of the people I had in mind. Uh, if certain people do certain things which cross a line of what is decent, I don't deal with them anymore. With Manson, that line has been crossed multiple times. He said some very ignorant, mean, malicious things on tour. Yeah, well, Marilyn Manson also does his weight in cocaine a lot of the time, so. And absinthe. Definitely understand I mean, some insane shit. All right, let's hear it, D. My God, sis, in the back of the limousine. My God comes in a bag of cellophane. My God, the house on the cover of the magazine. This is horrible. Like, I, I'm not even sure what I'm like. Fuck, man. I gotta say something, bro. He looks like a goth fucking Snape from Harry Potter. <laughs> I, quite frankly, I think now that, you know, I've never thought of that until you just said that, but I do think that that is the. Because Snape is meant to be like the classic fucking goth character. Well, that was the. Uh, some of the. Goth teacher, for fuck's sake. So the lyrics that's directed at Manson are the first lines, which he fucking... My God sits in the back of a limousine. My God comes in a wrapper of cellophane. My God pouts on the cover of the magazine. My God is a shallow little bitch. Yeah. No, that sounds about right. Again, comes in cellophane. Because he's doing tons of cocaine. Yeah, but what, that, that was... That, I do, you know what? I'm, I've never been a big Nine Inch Nails fan. I do like... The hits, but the, this was—I mean, some of the shit I hear is just doesn't make me want to listen to more. Yeah, well, because I—I was realizing this as I'm listening to it here, like it was just—that's just straight up drum and bass. Like that was just—that was just breakbeats and shit. How are they better than Ministry? Fuck no, they're not. <laughs> I don't know that we could argue that they were. Quite frankly, I think that it's just one of those things where, like. It was, you know, like the same thing with like what KMFDM. You know what I mean? Some of these bands, yeah. like you know, they just get in for a minute. But I also heard KMFDM were fucking Nazis, but that's the other thing. Were they? That's crazy. No, I could be wrong. 
People also were always saying that fucking Ramstein was Nazis, but then obviously they weren't. So yeah, you know the reason people say that though, and I don't agree with it, but but it is weird. Fucking uber ridiculously German, so it's hard not to be. Well, of what I've heard, and I, this could be total bullshit, but what I've heard um, is that a lot of people in Germany that there's a certain way he speaks that most people don't speak that way, and it was a very Adolf Hitler way of speaking the way he sings that's what i've heard so he was i've heard like he was purposely doing that and they were you know in that era of shock of new metal and trying to be shocking and dark and I mean, that is kind of the thing though is that they have for lack of a better way of saying it you can't do a fucking stadium tour in america when you're a german nazi metal band like they'd have to be pretty outspokenly not Nazis. To be able well, to fuck America. You couldn't do that in Germany if you were a Nazi. Germany is the most hardcore about that shit. You know what I mean? And they're huge. You are correct. You are correct about that. Pantera got kicked out of Germany this week. I know. I saw. Shit. Yeah. Oh. That's a whole. That, that's a whole other episode. All right, number six. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. All right, number six is: Are you aware of suicidal tendencies? Of course. They um, the show I ever went to. Mike Muir, the vocalist, and uh, the bass player, uh, Robert Trujillo, who's now in Metallica, um, they had a side project. Huh? I just, that's cool. I didn't know that that happened. It happened about 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> so they, they had a side project called Infectious Grooves. So, D, pull up Infectious Grooves, do what I tell you. And uh, this is a Rage Against the Machine disc. Basically, um, Tom Morello went on MTV and said that Suicidal Tendencies is old man music. Which and it's like, the like, thing to fucking say anyway. Like, yeah. It's like, and you know, uh, you back to fucking campus, professor. Like, so, so this is this is another one of those things where. You know, Rage Against the Machine's whole thing is fuck capitalism and all this shit, and and they're on Sony, and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. And yeah, so, well, yeah, but I don't know. That's no, I know there's nuance to it. You know what I mean. But but Mike Muir, this is a quote from Mike Muir. Um, he said, "I just think Rage Against the Machine Machine said something about us, Tom. You know, so." I, so I said what I thought. I think a lot of times little nerdy kids get an audience and they like the fact that they can say things and then and they think that people really care. And to me, that's just totally fake. Like, dude, are they really a groundbreaking political band if Sony's throwing all kinds of money at it? Now, I guess this also had something to do with them jiving for attention. And like, I guess they did before Chili Peppers did the naked thing on stage. Rage did it, protesting the PMRC, the Parrot Music group you know who are censoring artists and uh but the thing is they did it about seven seven years too late when they were totally irrelevant and so that was kind of a publicity whoring kind of thing so that was you know they talk shit about mike muir so mike muir ain't someone who's gonna you know sit down and take it so yeah yeah you would think so here's Infectious Grooves, Do What I Tell You, which is, uh, you know, from the rape. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Mm-hmm. 
do what I tell you. Oh yeah, you do what I tell you. Definitely like in the other clown in the first Let me tell you just why. You do what I tell you. On the mic, you talk about getting violent. Yeah, you do what I tell you. But to the man with the badge, you're nothing but silent. You do what I tell you. So now it's the government you want to overthrow. You're going to do what I tell you. But the first is off to the next double side show. Now you're making your political <laughs> oh man that's you want to know what see this is the sad part because i would love to have seen them like bro i saw them live with paramount 5000 i would love to see like the suicidal tendencies like roll like roll up on fucking zach de la rocha and tom morello because that's like you know people didn't really know this but I remember reading the thing once. Didn't stick. Was... Didn't stick man roll up on him. Stick man. I'm not sure. Stick man from Faria Five. Uh, Jersey hardcore band. I heard they rolled up on a lot of people in Birch Hill. Oh, that well, Birch Hill nightclub. That was the fucking spot, bro. I seen ICP play there once on the Bazaar tour. Oh man, that was fucking. That was a wild show. Um, I also got to see Mars back in the Long Fumo She days. That was interesting. But no fucking, I think it's funny how just like, cause back then there was a different energy. He made that song like, yeah, I'm definitely talking about you. That was yeah. like, there, that right there, there was no nuance. There was nothing. You make your little political statements. Like, <laughs> short of saying, fuck you, Zach, which he probably should have done. Cause that would have been even better. Yeah. But, I just because again suicidal tendencies that right there that is hardcore legend shit right there. Like they how are, the fuck do you how how the fuck would you ever could you ever do right now? Suicidal's been around 35, 40 years. That I still wouldn't call him old man music. Fuck no, it was never that's the point is that it was they were always on some. They had a very very specific look. As far as I'm concerned, in a certain way, they were because they're from L.A. Right? They're from the yep. West Coast. Could never yep. get a Pepsi to say him again. They were definitely early proponents of cholo culture and cholo fucking fashion. Yeah. Like they were some of the early, early cats to do that shit. And just and, and they're they're you know, rage is groundbreaking, but also suicidal is groundbreaking in bringing hardcore and punk and metal all into one fucking salad. The sad part about it, I hate to say, is that the, the real legends are the ones that you kind of have to go digging in the crates for. Because, like, Rage is some shit. Again, they got pushed by Sony. Sleep Now in the Fire was, like, a really big thing. You know, like, the fucking, uh, well, whichever, uh, Wake Up, I think, was on in the Matrix. You know what I mean? Like, 
they are a pop culture like rock a famous rock and roll band it's not about what they were to start every once in a while if you get famous enough that's basically what it comes down to right it doesn't matter that it doesn't matter that you know you are perceived as fake by the metal community because the metal community is this big and the world is this big exactly i think that that's the way it goes with a lot of shit where the most of the people screaming sell out are just mad that they can't sell out we got 20 more minutes let's roll we still got five of these let's roll through these now let's rock with it all right, uh, number five, I was really, really digging for shit here. Uh, I wouldn't even know if you would call this a metal band, but Evanescence, call me when you're sober. So bring that up, dude. And uh, this is, this is, um, as one of the last songs recorded for the album, The Open Door, Call Me When You're Sober was predominantly inspired by Amy Lee's ex-boyfriend, Seether frontman, Sean Morgan, in an MTV... Yeah, yeah. Uh, in an MTV news interview, Amy Lee spoke about the song, uh, saying, It was very brave for me. Okay, I don't know. Let's chill out, Amy Lee. The lyric writing, because I was just sick of hiding behind metaphors and all that I had been writing. So much of the record was about the turmoil I was going through with choosing between happiness and comfort. In the end, I had to choose happiness and health. I made the right decision. So basically, this dude is a drug <laughs> That was fucking glorious. All right, so, so, so this is about her, the Seether dude being a drug addict. Let's go. Don't cry to me if you love me. You would be here with me. You want me. Come find me. Make up your mind. Oh my god but she is my she is when i was 11 years old i saw her and i had an immediate crush and she is my ultimate goth crush that girl I, you want to know see that's what i was saying like i everything i've known about evanescence is that like it's been weird rock and roll goth drama but again god damn it she can sing like ridiculous a fucking i got i got a heart on over here bro you got you guys are fucking producers and rappers and you record your own shit i Tell me, how many fucking vocal tracks was that fucking harmony in the beginning, bro? Lots. Jesus. Uh, yeah, at least fucking, oh Christ, three, four, five. You know what, though? And she wrote the goddamn song, and she can actually sing, so I'll give her all that credit in the world. Well, but so that was written about, see, I can't remember what Seether's song was. Seether had, Back to the memory. That's the only one. Okay, I know that one. Uh, very Nirvana. 
I well, and it's so it's a, a band that I I've heard of. You know what I mean? They've done their thing, but they're no fucking Evanescence. And, and you know what though? That gave when I found out that she was with that dude. That, All those when I guys. Found, when I found out she was with that dude, I looked up that dude, and uh, he's a fat white guy. So it gave us fat white guys hope. Yeah, no, I remember you. Yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. That, that, that's a banger, though. I love that song. I love her voice. It's a, That's definitely, it was a good enough song that they would make a fucking video for it. All right, so number four, we're going back to Limp Biscuit when Wes Borland left the band, Let It Go, and he dissed I Wes Borland. Forgot he did leave the band for a time, didn't he? Right, and, and he was basically, uh, him and Fred, Fred talked, you know, I was saying earlier, Fred is a hustler. And if he talks to you face to face, you're doing what he wants. So yeah. that's how we got West Borland in the band. <laughs> got back in. Okay, West Bo- Borland is someone who, you know, he cites Megadeth and Slayer and early Metallica as his influences. So he was not into hip hop at all. And next thing you know, he's in the biggest new metal band yeah. on the planet. So he had a lot of problems with that and just the way that new metal was perceived. And he saw a lot of bullies in the audience. And shit like that, which is all fair, but I, you know, he's always gone back and forth. He's like left and rejoined Limp Bizkit like three times. It's like make a. Now he's been here for like ten years. You know what I mean? But uh, he's matured and for the long haul at this point. Yeah, I mean, he went to Manson and he realized Manson's the biggest fucking asshole. He's like, dude, Manson is so bad. He drove him back to Fred Durst. <laughs> well, again, like I said, Manson does fucking all the cocaine on earth when he has the opportunity seeing him live years ago and because i seen him in the mechanical ma- mechanical animals era back in the day when i was in high school and he killed it but i've never seen him i seen him a few years ago on whatever is most re- not most recent but uh, you know within the last five years or so give or take and just, oh my god he was fucking terrible like, oh yeah he's been terrible for a long time the band fucking did the job but like ugh, i don't know what the fuck happened there Anyway. So this song, Let It Go, this is actually, uh, this was released as a single, but only, you know, there was no video or anything. And then when the album came out, it wasn't even on that. It was on the Japanese bonus edition with the, as a bonus track. So maybe Fred felt, you know, differently once the album came out and didn't want to put it on uh, forever. So this is a West Borland diss when he went to form his own band, Big Dumb Face, which is fucking horrible. All right, go ahead, play it. Run. Is that all you can do? It's all you've been doing well since you've been two. You just run. You run away from change. Believe in the pain, but you can't see. You're so dumb. Space, let it go. 
What hurts so much is I believe you can be a true friend. That's what I was about to say, bro. That's the first song that we've played on this whole list where I was like, damn, that's a fucking banger. Yo, I fuck West Portland. I can see why he didn't want to get rid of that song. Because he was like, this is a good track. I don't want to fucking get rid of this as long as I still... We'll put it out in Japan, see how they feel about it. <laughs> Yo, I love the lyrics with your big dumb face and your big dumb ego. What a disgrace. <laughs> but that's what I mean. That was well fucking executed. That was a good one. And the part where he goes, uh, uh, what hurts so much? Is I believed you to be a true friend, but you never cared. Yo, that's fucking. Yeah, I know. Yeah, man, it's fucking. Hey, that's how. Uh, sometimes you gotta get on the fucking. You gotta get on the mic and just. The motherfucker say Fred Durst can't sing. Listen to Let It Go and eat my dick. All right, number three. Uh, Godsmack, crying like a bitch. Is that what it's called? Yeah, by Godsmack. But you never heard crying. You never heard crying like a bitch. Nah, I don't think so. Oh, it's a banger. This is so. To set this up, um, this is legendary. Godsmack, who I fucking love. Godsmack gets a lot of hate, but I, I love Godsmack. Um, Godsmack literally did a fucking pagan ceremony on Ebit. That might be the reason why the world is all fucked up today. Because they did a fucking actual pagan ritual on MTV. Sully's a Wiccan, remember? Wait, <laughs> they did a pagan ritual on fucking television. I'm not the one so far away when I feel that and I enter my vein. Yeah, I fucking love God's mouth. The fact that we still know that shit. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Wait, pause, pause it, D. pause, pause it, pause it. So this, this song, this song, this song is about Motley Crue, and basically uh, Motley Crue took out Godsmack on Crue Fest, and Soli was like, "I have never seen this amount of ego anywhere I've ever fucking been." So that's this is about touring with God with uh, Motley Crue. All right, play it. Yeah, 2009. Oh, man. Because, listen, that first line, strut, uh, strut on by like a king, acting like everybody else, like they know nothing. I mean, that right there is talking about probably a, a fucking ton of people at those levels of the industry walking by like, don't you know who I am? Like, well, I'm Nikki Six. Fuck you. I'm Godsmack, bitch. 
Well, that, especially not because that was a good song and that was a good video. That's what I'm saying. It's better when they fucking do it well. When they're flat out about it. Yeah. Well, um, I just got to say this. I don't care if the song is good or not. I'm tougher than nails. I can promise you that. Step out of line. You get bitch slapped back and you can run your little mouth all day. But the hand of God just smacked you back into yesterday. <laughs> Well, but so that's the thing. I fully would believe that Sully would slap anybody in Motley Crue. Yo, Sully's tiny. Did you know that Sully's like five foot four? No, I didn't know that. But if he's shredded like that. Oh, yeah. He could, he could. And bro, he's from Boston, bro. He's from Boston. You know, he's gotten. gotten. I actually did not know that, but his name is Sully. So I guess I should have. <laughs> well, all the Sully, all the world Sully's are from Boston. <laughs> Now we're down to two. Number two, Megadeth, Liar. Right. Now, you now this isn't a Metallica diss track. This is this is a diss track to Chris Pullen, the original lead guitar player for Megadeth. Pattern um, here. Drug problems, right? But there's always that one guy who goes too far with the shit, and that was Chris Pullen. Chris, they would be on tour, and Chris Pull, they would be like, "Where's my half stack? Where's my amps? Where's my guitar?" Chris Poland went to the pawn shop and pawned it all for heroin money. Wow. So this is about Chris Poland. fantastic. And then they have to go and buy it back. Yeah, they, they, they got to go buy it back. And this is happening fucking every other day. And they're already broke as fuck because they all have their own fucking addictions. So add add on to that. Um, Dave Mustaine basically rapped in this song. And this is from 1988. 88. I was three years old at the time. Oh yeah, well this is Dave Mustaine still on drugs, so uh, yeah, that'll do it. He says, uh, your sister is a junkie, gets it any way she can, and your brother's a gay singer in a stud leather band. <laughs> yeah, wow. Your your girlfriend's your girlfriend's got herpes to go with your hep and AIDS. There ain't one person you know you ain't ripped off yet. Bro, I just figured it out. Huh? Metallica is lasagna. Megadeth is a big zini. They're both good. They're both good. But one is the best and the other one is secondary. Yeah, and the best is the ziti, motherfucker. I don't like that high fashion shit. Yeah, I will take a good baked ziti over a lasagna almost any day. Yeah, so blow me. 
Well, I'm the same way too. <laughs> okay, so what the fuck? All right. Um, we, we, we're down to the we're down to the wire here. All right. Um, I did want to take it to the rapping part, but we could go just to number one. Was it? He was actually rapping on that track. I mean, I mean, it's not technically rapping, but he's going so fast, like da 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 piss a bit in your brain. It's like that kind of thing. Where it's just thrashing, going fucking crazy. All right, number one is uh, Ice T's metal band Body Count. And um, I saw a list that had Megadeth for the same exact reason. This is on the list. But uh, this just, this is so against, the song is called KKK, bitch. Okay. It's a diss against the KKK. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I mean, they probably got a good few metal bands out there. And do you know uh, Tipper Gore? You know, I brought up earlier Tipper Gore and the PMRC and all that. that that's pretty much a diss to them, too. And Ice-T takes it to the point of he hates the PMRC and the KKK so much, he'll take it to the point of pedophilia. Oh. And fuck these guys' daughters who are like 13 or 14. That's what he says in the song. Yikes. So, let's hear KKK, baby. <laughs> that Ice-T was gangster enough to be a rapper and also do this and have nobody be like, wait, what's, what's up out there? BC's in the house. Right about now, I want to tell you a little love story. You know what I'm saying? It's a body count love story. Check out the lyrics, you know. I'm going to tell you about what happened when we went down south last year. I don't tell you, I've been all around the world Went to Georgia with this fine-ass white girl Blonde hair, blue eyes, big tits and thighs Kind of girl that would knock out most guys She got wild in the backstage bathroom Suck my dick like a motherfucking vacuum Said I love you, but my daddy don't play He's the fucking grand wizard of the KKK Ah, fuck my KKK bitch, love me something, yo Ah, fuck my KKK bitch, love me something, yo you know what I'm saying? So we was down south falling in love, you know. We rock had this Nazi girl, my man Moose Man had skin. I fell in love with Timber Gore's two 12-year-old nieces. It was wild, you know what I'm saying? But it got even worse, you know. So one night they took us to a meeting, white sheets, white hoods, no room for seating. There were skinheads, Nazis, and crazies talking about black people pushing up daisies. They had the black, Jews, Puerto Ricans, Mexican, Chinese, even the Indians. We had a hoods on, we were slick. She put your butt up hard against my dick. Then her daddy jumped on the stage, talking about killing in a goddamn rage. I got mad, my dick got hard. Ram it in the ass, said, oh my God. You want to know what, though? See, here's the problem. Because I, I, think, I think we can all agree that Ice-T is not a pedophile. No, of course not. It's artistic yeah, but this is what I know, but this is exactly why I love it. Because especially after Tipper Gore, all that shit, because as we all know, Cop Killer, the whole purpose of that song, the reason why it went to the Supreme Court is because freedom of speech, motherfucker. You can't tell me I can't say the shit. Yeah. You can't tell me whether this is art. It's subjective. You can't tell me I can't say it. And so that's why when you talk about two 12-year-old nieces, <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm going to fucking go there. The Ice-T is fucking, 
definitely like the king of that sentiment. Of and that, that 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 song is so fucking catchy and fun, and it's it's just ridiculous. And you could have chosen. Body Count was always just a dope band. That's why they could bring out an album like a couple of years. That shit, Talk Shit, Get Shot, that song no. bangs, bro. Yo, the, the, the end part where he's just listing off all the way, different ways you can get pop. You can get dusted with the musket, blasted with the ratchet. <laughs> just constant, bro. So, no, so bro, that's what it is. Always been dope. Always. That day, Ice-T is definitely on my bucket list of people I'd at least like to meet, if not work with. So that was uh, Metal Beef. I know some of it was mediocre, some of it wasn't good at all. And then I think the last few were really good. Limp Bizkit, Liar, KKK Bitch, but... Uh, progressively got better from the... That Limp Bizkit track, Let It Go, was definitely hard. That was a real... Well, they got another, they got another one, but it, it's not a metal song. It's just him on a hip-hop beat. It's called Say Something Sayable about West Berlin. It's just say something. You want to say something? Say something sayable. <laughs> it's not great, but uh, yeah, no, that, so that's the funny thing is I, I really do think that in many cases, especially in the for this, uh, it's pretty obvious to say that it was a smaller percentage of songs that were like good and also, yeah. I feel like it doesn't translate as well in other, you gotta be, it's. It's always better to me for that kind of shit if you just make a really good song and then there's something in there in the sly, but you didn't necessarily call them out directly. Yeah. It was kind of like that a little bit more because you want to know what everybody talks about. Oh, you sneak dissing and shit. Like, if it's beef, it's beef. When I see you, I'll fucking see you. If it's like somebody that you worked with that you had a fucking relationship with to some extent and then things didn't fucking pan out necessarily. Like, maybe it's not even necessarily a diss, but saying something that was inspired by the shit that you went through with these kinds of people. Like, right. I definitely think, because in the case of these songs, man, like, these were all people that they had, like, deep professional and personal relationships with. Like, these were people that they had worked really closely with. I would say the, uh, I don't know if uh, Downset, is that what they were called? Yeah. I don't know that, were they tight with Bridge before they blew? Uh, I don't think I don't think so. Well, so then in that case, it was they were proximate, which I totally get. I do think that based on what they were doing, it was much more authentic. Like they were, their music wasn't as good as Rage's, but they were much more real than Rage. At a certain point, like I remember after fucking Rage made Battle of Los Angeles, they were doing, they did a huge fucking show down in like Buenos Aires or somewhere in Brazil. And it was like, like a big moment down there where like they had, their rage definitely was part of some like, you know, I, Mumia, you know, never got him out of jail necessarily, but like they definitely did bring a lot of awareness to a lot of people about some shit. So it's like, that is the trade-off at the end of the day is that yeah. you, everybody wants to get big enough to the point where where you came from is obscured by what you did. You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, it's like Rakim said, bro. It ain't from where you from, it's where you at. Nah, for sure, man. It's like, what do they say? You either die a fucking hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. All right, bro. Well, well, well let's wrap this up. Uh, D's got to go pick up his wifey. I was going to say, I know he's got to go do his thing. 
But no, we're definitely, uh, you know, we're moving in a good direction. I definitely think uh, in the next few weeks, even if it's not going to be somebody major, we should get somebody else in here, get a little bit more uh, perspective, get some more banter going. I'm trying no to work on that, letting my verbal tics fucking overtake every conversation. And <laughs> listening to the first one, because I want to get a sense of what I'm doing. I don't like to, like, it's weird listening to myself, but I do like to get a sense of how I sound to make sure I don't sound like weird when I talk. And fucking... I, I definitely noticed that that was my... That was my <laughs> hey, dude, we all got shit like that. I say like a lot. That's what I'm trying to be better about it. I'm trying not to talk all super slow and shit and fucking make points. That's why I just abandoned that fucking joke earlier. I was trying to think of something clever to say about Trent Reznor and his goth nonsense, but I couldn't fucking... I tried, but I couldn't come up with it. But Yeah, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just go with the low man's uh, way and say that was trash. This is what we'll do is uh next week because you did your 10 um you did your 10 uh metal diss albums so i will come up with 10 either horrorcore albums or horror movies that i believe to be uh influential to okay all right i'm done for that it seems like something that I would have at least a little bit of a little bit of knowledge of, and as far as horrorcore music is concerned, this would give me a chance to definitely go digging in the crates for some shit. Like, cause that right there, as far as horrorcore goes, and you want to know what it would be tricky, just because there's so many different from way back in the day that. They, they, you have to add them to the conversation because of what they were doing, regardless of whether or not they were like really popular, especially in horrorcore. Nobody ever got that popular outside of like ICP and Esham for a period, and a few of these other guys. It hasn't really, horrorcore hasn't really made it happen for a lot of people. There is a lot of shit that has definitely from, let's say, yeah, the late to early, the, the late 80s, or early 90s, depending on how you want to look at it. And then within this section of the underground, because that's to me where I think a lot of this shit is like, horrorcore to me, like, essential horrorcore is shit like L.U. Cypher, or Q Strange, or fucking Simkin Heights, or uh, Halfbreed, that's ROC when he went by SOL, and Scraps. Or there was a dude I remember hearing about all the time back in the day, F, R-E-E-Z-E. -E. I don't know who that guy was. I'm going to look him up and find that for next week because I used to hear that name all the fucking time and I don't know exactly who it is. But no, and because again, if you're talking about like classic horrorcore and shit, there's also like Psycho Jesus, Lucifixer, that was fucking... He just decided he didn't want to rap anymore, which I think is fucking fantastic. Just like have a lot of potential, could definitely make it as a rapper if you wanted to and just be like... I'd say I'd say my horrorcore knowledge is more. I guess the artists that I like that I would consider horrorcore are not directly horrorcore, but they have that darker edge to them. Like someone like Cage, would you call Cage horrorcore? So here's my problem. I think that at this point, horrorcore is much more of like a self-imposed moniker. Then, because there's nobody out there that's a rapper that like a lot of people know about, it's a horrorcore rapper. Nobody has made it on those merits yet. 
like Skits Craven, who I don't fucking like, who, who we who we do not like, yeah. is fucking one of the only people who, and he's not even that popping. He's not like big like that at all. But, well, his view, his views are very questionable too. All his views, true indeed. This is kind of my point: is that he's the only one who's even close to recognizable. I don't even think he is. He's just a name that I've heard here and there. And frankly, I think that he gets by more on the merits of his face and his name than his lyrics. You know what I mean? Well, but they're not fucking dope. It's not like he's spitting. He's not barred up and shit. He's just fucking, he's just able to do it. He's the, he's the the fucking Backstreet Boy of fucking horrorcore. Basically, like the point here is that if you look at shit like, you know, the Grave Diggers, that was horrorcore. They were that is technically where the term came from. Now, did they fucking really pioneer the genre? No, definitely not. They helped popularize it to a point where people from you know again in Detroit, some people on the West Coast, a couple of people on the East Coast we're doing it that way where it wasn't really horrorcore it was just like x-rated is a great example he was just living a fucking crazy life and that's what he rapped about brother lynch hung was living a crazy life whether or not he's even all there mentally you know what i mean like he was making crazy ass music back then and it was just a matter of they aren't horrorcore rappers they have made some horrorcore music to me, I think the idea of horrorcore as a genre is a pretty new idea in the sense that we were all doing this shit because nobody wants to admit it. I don't give a fuck. I'll be the one to say it because I know it's true and I believe it for myself a thousand percent. We were all trying to be ICP cover bands for the first few years. That's a fact. Like a lot of dudes that were doing horrorcore, some of the chicks doing horrorcore, that was how it went down. And I see D obviously has got to go. You're going to have to learn to cut me off because I will just keep going. No, it's all good, bro. I- I'm down with the horrorcore talk. No, well, and that's, and you want to know what? This is why I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to do some uh, some research here and we're going to be, uh, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a uh, trip down horrorcore history because, again, it's a lot. ICP, again, they were the ones who popularized it to the mainstream in a way, but the reality is, there is a ton of shit that you know, people, either the people that I've worked with, people that I know of that I haven't worked with personally, but like have been in the proximity of. Like this has been again since the late '80s, man. Horrorcore has been some real ass shit, and it just yep. wasn't always called that. That's my main thing: is that there was a lot of people making what could be considered horrorcore music. It just wasn't their only thing, and yeah. that wasn't what they were calling it back then. And they usually blew up. They usually blew up on some other shit. They they might have started with darker, horrorcore themed vibes. But I'll leave you with this because again, obviously, D's got to go. I don't want to keep him. But I'll leave you with this: Rihanna, one of the most famous fucking females to ever do it, one of the most recognizable women on the planet, a fucking billionaire, all this different shit. One of the most popular videos that she ever did was "Bitch Better Have My Money." And she straight up murders the chicken. That's the whole thing. The dude, and then murders the wife, and then at the end of the video, she's in bl- she's covered in blood and money. Like, uh, that's well, I'm don't you know that's all signs of the Illuminati, and that she's connected to the New World Order, bro. Well, I mean, obviously, 
All right, bro. Well, let, let's let's leave it there, and uh, I'll see I'll see you next Monday, homie. D, thank you for hanging around. Appreciate it. You know what? I actually just thought of this because I know that we're obviously taking our time on doing the, you know the project that we had talked about. You know, we're 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 gonna let that happen organically. But if he is still involved slash interested, um, I feel like Chucky Chuck maybe would be a good first guest because I haven't actually gotten a chance to talk to the guy yet. Okay. I think that would be a because uh, again, it's I know how these groups go, so it's like if we want if we have a plan to do it and then it doesn't come through quite the way that we want it to, ain't no harm no foul. Well, let's, let's definitely can get Chucky Chuck on here. Let's talk about all that after the show, and uh, let's let D go pick his wife up, or we're gonna get we're gonna get in trouble from the wife. Oh, all right. Well, but uh, fair enough. I feel like that would be a good first guess just because I Cottonmouth Kings was a big a big part of my come up when I was a kid. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that'll that'll be tough. <laughs> it's it's funny how these things work out. I actually got in trouble in high school for printing out flyers. But all right, nice. well, S and M episode four in the fucking can. Holiday. Boom. Boy, see you next week. In the vaults, motherfuckers. Peace out. <laughs>